even though my parents aren't accepting yet, but the way that our dynamic is a lot better. Like I'm not angry towards them. We're not always fighting. We can even joke around now. And we were just talking about this too before when I was letting them know that I wasn't going to come home for Christmas because I, they're still homophobic. They were like uh, sad because like we were like we were having such a good relationship. So to parents, I was just like, if you want to be a part of your child's life, think about that. Think about the milestones you'll miss with them just because you have this belief that they're not going to be happy. But look what's right in front of you. Yo, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to a pretty normal podcast. I am your host, Xavier Diaz. Quick reminder that we have started streaming the interview live on YouTube and Facebook. This gives you the opportunity to join the conversation and ask questions to all of the amazing guests that come on the show. So make sure to follow us on all of our social media handles so that you can get updated every time we go live. In this episode, I'm joined by Krisha, host of the podcast Gay Monologues and the creator of Loud Pride. Krisha's podcast Gay Monologues talks about queer topics for personal growth. It was really a great conversation, and Krisha is someone I knew I wanted to come on the show since late last year, and I'm glad that we made it happen. I want to thank Krisha for being so open about her coming out story. She describes the lead up to the day that she came out to her parents and how that decision changed her relationship with them. We dove deep into the problems that affect the LGBTQ community and spoke about why Krisha decided to start her podcast, Gay Monologues. She also told me what the term LGBTQ2S means. I learned a lot and although same-sex activity seems like a normal thing to me in 2020, it was appalling to learn that same-sex activity is still illegal in approximately 70 countries which shows how the work for equality never ends. Make sure to subscribe to A Pretty Normal Podcast so you get notified every time a new episode drops. This show can be found on Spotify, Google, and Apple, and all other podcast streaming platforms. Subscribe and please leave a review and a five-star rating if you enjoy the content. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at A Pretty Normal. Also subscribe on YouTube at Pretty Normal Productions. If you enjoy the free content and the interviews I produce, I kindly ask you to go check out the website www.aprettynormal.com and check out the merchandise that we have on there. Without further ado, my name is Xavier Diaz and you're now listening to A Pretty Normal Podcast. You're listening to A Pretty Normal Podcast, a show that highlights the fascinating stories and thought-provoking moments that make up our lives. My name is Xavier Diaz, and I want to hear your story. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. I love the content you put out on Instagram. Super happy that we got to connect. And how are you tonight? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. And I feel the same way about uh, your show. Every time I see your clips, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's right. I'm so happy you're talking about that. And especially the energy that you put into it, it makes it more fun to watch and the information like more easy to digest. 
Hey, Real Recognize Real. I love the work that you do. That's awesome. And we're going to have a great interview tonight. I have a lot of different questions. I've been listening to your podcast and then also just looking up statistics about the LGBTQ community. Also, a term that I learned from your content is LGBTQ2 plus S. That's yes. definitely something I want to hear about because it seems like it's a it's a very unique Canadian thing. So excited to get into all of that tonight. Everybody, thank you for watching a pretty normal podcast and let's go. Hey, so as I said, Krisha, host of Game Monologues, creator of Loud Pride. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. And there's plenty of things that I want to cover tonight, but I feel like it's obligatory. Uh, you said that in one of your recordings, the obligatory coming out story. So uh, obviously you're the host of Game Monologues. I think yes. it's very uh, straightforward what the show is about. And I would love to hear your coming out story as well as why you decided to create a podcast and, and cover the things that you do. Sure. Oh man, to think back on this, my coming out story. Um, so obviously as a kid, there were some signs, but I didn't think anything of it because my family was very conservative, very religious. And uh, I knew even from a young age that if I was gay, I'd be like going to hell. So they said, or I'd be shunned from the community, like my parents' community. Real quick, so your grandpa, you said, is a pastor, right? I think that's yes. very, yes. very unique to your story about why I th guess things were so difficult at a young age. He's a pastor and he, he like preached at many, many places around the world. Yeah, he still does. Um, he has his own church that's like down the street from their house. Um, and I can't remember what the organization is called, but there is like an Asian organization for his specific Christian because he he steered away from regular Catholicism because he didn't like people who worshipped like statues and idols like that. He believed that Lutheran in the Bible. I think I'm gonna. Uh, I, it, he calls it modern Mennonite. Ah, uh, that's cool because I know Lutherans. I have a friend who's Lutheran, and it's something similar where like they don't believe in the Pope, but more more than not, the aspects of it are pretty similar to Catholicism. But continue. Yeah. So he's in that and there's an organization in asia and he's pretty high up so he gets sent to a lot of different churches all over the world to preach mm. so, um, yeah and then i'm sorry i keep interrupting but i definitely want to know more is culture in the philippines very family oriented like were you very close with your grandparents and like a tight-knit immediate family oh yeah for sure um my parents and my grandparents lived in the same house. Actually, my grandparents gave my parents their house, but they lived in the back area of it. So like I was with my grandparents all the time. And then all my dad's aunts, um, cousins, my dad, uh, my grandpa's like siblings were all like walking distance from us. So we saw family like all the time, very close knit. Everybody was super homophobic and mm. nothing to, just societally right like yeah everybody around or was was it like 
something unique to your family and, and their beliefs or is that like the like what the philippines kind of the society culture is like there oh it's it's definitely the society and the culture in the philippines it's crazy because in media there are a lot of homosexuals in entertainment but it's mainly for entertainment for people to laugh at but nothing to actually practice in real life mm -hmm. and one of my mom's arguments to this is that her not being homophobic is that she has like a gay friend and i'm like okay well then mm -hmm. what's wrong with me being gay she's like just just, just can't be you <laughs> uh, that's so similar to like the the racism aspect of it when people say i can't be racist i have a black friend and it's yeah. like, but you're still racist like you you say things that are, are racist they're just they might not be implicitly racist but they're racist and that's a shitty feeling knowing that your mom is like you know i'm okay with other people being gay but i don't want it to happen for my daughter and what mm -hmm. was it like i guess coming out to them like what was that process i i heard in your podcast it wasn't too long ago it was like a couple years ago yeah, I would say three or four years ago, because they they were cat catching on and they just kept asking. Like I think for a whole year straight, my or two years, my mom kept asking me if I was, and then finally I was like, yeah, okay, I am. So that that's what you wanted to hear, right? And then uh -huh. her response was, no, you're not. I've hmm. known you your whole life. I would have known. <laughs> then I was so confused because. That's what why would you why would you be asking me if you if you knew I wasn't? Or Do you think it I was wasn't? some type of like self-denial for her trying to like convince herself my, my daughter's not a lesbian? No, she's not. No, she's not. Oh, completely. My mom is terrible with um talking about any subject that's hard. Mm. She just avoids it. Even to this day, every time I bring it up, she's like, We don't have to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And it's and, not something we do. Oh, man. No, I understand that. I definitely get that with my mom. It, it's definitely tough to have, like, even normal conversations, let alone deep conversations about things. It's pretty hard. And one of the things you said is that she tried telling you, you're not gay. You're just easily influenced. How yeah. did that affect your psyche? Because I imagine that's something you do not want to hear at that age where you're trying to figure out your identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I Well, I it really made me think. I was like, do I? Am I really that influenced? <laughs> Could, could somebody influence me into liking the same sex, even though there are so many repercussions that come along with that? Mm -hmm. But um, I was I told her, no, I obviously I'm not. I wouldn't be going through all this trouble mm -hmm. and knowing how difficult, difficult my life would be. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't choose this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just made me really think. And actually made me upset with my mom, but I knew I knew where it was coming from, mm. um, that she was just worried about me and wanted me to have a good life, and mm. that that was part of it. That's her reasoning. And then, what about the step now telling your your father? I know that one was a little bit more difficult and had worse repercussions. Yeah. So my dad noticed that there was something going on with me and my mom where I wasn't talking to her. I was always angry with her mm. uh, because my mom decided to keep this a secret from my dad because she knew that, you know, me and my dad are really close. Um, and so she knew that this would be something really hard for him to understand, which actually she used to manipulate me. She would tell me how my dad, like because we emigrated to Canada, right? And mm -hmm. so my dad had to work really hard to support the family because there was like, there's four kids in my family. And so that's a lot when you're um, just trying to get your feet up in the new country. 
And so she would like use all these stories about him working hard and this is how I'm going to repay him. And so I felt even worse about it. Like, okay, I already feel bad that I'm hurting their feelings, but now I feel like I'm betraying my dad. Mm-hmm. And so I, I never mm-hmm. brought it up, but finally my dad just got mad and sat me down and asked. And finally I told him like that I'm gay and I, I was I was sitting on my couch for I swear I think it was two hours where he just told me that I am no longer part of the family and that I'm being kicked out of the house. Oh, man, that is tough. That is I'm so sorry to hear that. And how did you take that at the time? Were you like bitter towards your your father, or you bitter towards yourself, or what were your like what was your psyche around that time? That was so difficult. I mean, I knew. I was expecting that response um, because it's not what they want for me. It, they truly believe that I am going to hell. Um, but I was upset because I'm still their daughter and just because of this, I'm being kicked out of the family. Uh, and I, I did what they said. I packed up my things because at the time I wasn't living at my parents' house. I was living away uh, at a different city for an internship. So I called my ex-girlfriend and told her to pick me up. Uh, and I stayed with her for a bit for the rest of that weekend. And then I just never saw my parents for a month. And then I heard from one of my sisters that my parents are wondering where I am because they didn't actually kick me out. And I was again. That's what you told your sisters? Yeah. I was uh, so confused. I'm like, I, you sat me down for two hours straight telling me I am no longer part of this family, but you didn't kick me out. Do you think it's like a, a perception type, type thing? Like they don't want people to see them as the, the bad ones? Oh, for sure. My, like, that's the biggest pet peeve I have with my parents, especially my mom, is that they care so much about what other people think of them and their family they want to portray that we're that perfect family mm-hmm. like my oldest sister she went to school for political science whatever she was going to be a lawyer but decided not to mm-hmm. then my other sister was um going to be a doctor mm-hmm. that um, family pressure is, yeah. is real that is real yeah and then like me is just just an engineer and like just an engineer first <laughs> off that's a that's a very tough thing to do engineering is extremely complicated so don't be so humble <laughs> but I, I mean yeah so they just want to portray that like they have successful daughters and that there's nothing wrong and we're all happy and that they're also well off and doing their thing mm-hmm. um that's a concept that yeah. I, I actually had you read my mind is the concept of immigrant guilt because I think mm-hmm. I've I've never faced it in that manner, but I know my parents are uh, I'm first generation born here, so my parents came from Dominican Republic, and when I heard you say it, it clicked to me. I can relate with this on the aspect of college because it was always like you got to go to college, you got to go to university. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you do, but you got to go. Like we came here, we want to give you a better life. We did all this just to bring like more opportunities for you. And if you don't do this, then you're letting your family down. And it's like that is oh, real um, ass pressure. A huge pressure, like the entire family, if you don't go to college. Mm-hmm. And then I imagine that on the basis of your sexual identity, it's like this guilt of them trying to say like, well, we came here and like, what are you doing? And it's like, it's so insane that that to them would change you as a person. Like that Mm -hmm. wouldn't do anything where it's like anything you accomplish or anything that they've been proud of or anything that they're close to you with. It 
like diminishes all that it, it's it's really a shitty thing yeah and just on top of the guilt that my mom was already trying to use to manipulate me and then like the, the guilt i have in myself to mm -hmm. to try to appease my parents it was just a lot but how did you handle like your guilt the immigrant guilt i mean i went to college like that's i actually did it i did like all the i guess the basic things in life that you're supposed to do like if there was a road map and it was like mm -hmm. go to high school go to college get a job get married it's like i did that so like the guilt i guess was never there uh when i was in my teenage years i used to like get drunk and like i got alcohol poisoning once so <laughs> that kind of fucked up and it was like a big shame type thing but other than that, I don't think they uh, had too many things where they were like, oh, you're letting us down. <clears throat> and that was, I guess, my way. It was just like, all right, just, you know, follow the roadmap, go to college and you'll get a job and you'll do all this. And obviously there's nuances to all that because mm -hmm. immigrant parents don't understand, like I'm speaking here in the United States, college debt is a real thing. Mm -hmm. uh, graduating and then not being able to use your bachelor's degree for anything like ending up in a job where you didn't even need a bachelor's. Like there's a lot of things that I think yeah. immigrant parents don't fully conceptualize just because it's like to them, all they had to do was getting to, in your case, Canada or getting to United States. That was the big step that would open doors for the next generation for us and stuff. And from there it was like, well, it was easier than it was for us. So why is this hard for you? Like you didn't have to go through what we had to go through, not fully understanding that there's new things our generation has to go through. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I I get it. It looks similar, but it's really not. It's not. And yeah, you, you brought us over here for a better life, but then we also want to be happy. But like, just the thought of following that roadmap through is so... I don't want to say depressing, but it's, it's just uh, sad. It, it drains your soul. No, it, yeah. it really does drain your soul. And that's why I love like our generation they're doing so many things like I don't know if you know about digital nomads that like they travel the world mm -hmm. and they work remotely and all this like a lot of people in our generation aren't having kids they're not getting married they're just like choosing to travel they're doing all these things which is something that I think comes with uh the fact that we were able to have so much access to university and higher education mm -hmm. we saw wait a minute we don't have to do that traditional roadmap we don't have to do all that there's plenty of things out there that we can do we can travel we can do all this Traveling doesn't just mean going on vacation and staying at a resort for five days. It means yeah. like going and living with the people. Like our generation is really just like been unlocked to like there's so many things we can do. And that's, I think, cool. And I think that's still something like to this day, my grandma just doesn't understand. She's like, what do you mean you're traveling to Spain or what are you doing this for? Like, do you know anybody there? It's like, no, grandma, I don't know anybody there, but I want to travel. I want to see new places. Yeah. And like, to her, she's just like, I'm going back to Dominican Republic and then I'm coming back to the United States and that's it. I'm going to stay with family done i don't need to travel anywhere else yeah i hate that mentality there's so much to learn everywhere and everybody judges you it's like oh you're spending all this money to travel here and there but you could be saving up for a house and i'm like to me it's like yeah there's time for all that like in the future there will be time for all that and it's like it's very hard to travel once you have a family and kids and like you're no longer your sole responsibility once like you really have to start putting someone before you it's like that gets way harder so why would i do that now when like i have this chance right now to do it exactly and also like i don't like the the cost of a house right now for a down payment are you kidding me like 
Oh, in Toronto, uh, I imagine it's similar to New York. I imagine it's not really too feasible. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm okay. I like I like living with my friends. Mm. I'm fortunate enough to have that, and I'm happy with where I am. And I don't feel like I have to own a house right now, but I do want to travel and learn. For sure. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of things that our generation goes through that our parents' generation and our grandparents' generation they just don't know it because they didn't have to go through it. They had their own mm -hmm. struggles that they thought was like the ultimate end step. Like once I make it to Canada or to like the United States, that's it. My family from there should be able to like stay middle class or move upwards in society. And it's like, there's a lot of people that will not do better than their parents. Like in our generation, they will not own homes. They will not mm -hmm. end up doing better than their parents did. I think that's something very unique to our generation where like we might not do better than them. And it's just something that like we can't control. Like, the economy there's been multiple recessions yeah uh, it's a lot it's definitely a lot and then i want to ask did you end up uh healing your relationship with your parents um i do still talk to them yes um there was this at one point in the summer where this past summer i just one morning i just drove to them at night because all of our interactions before that where I was just so angry at anything that they ever said to me. I just was so nasty to them. So I went home and I to my parents and I just sat them down and said, hey, I forgive you for everything. Um, and I want to start a new relationship with you. Um, but and then I, I it was a lot of other reasons why I was upset with them. But then I brought up the whole, you know, I'm gay and you're gonna have to accept that. Uh, we mm. still disagree on that, but we mm. try to talk about it every now and then. Like, I think this Christmas, I wasn't going to come home because um, because they were still homophobic and they still didn't accept who I am. They said that they accepted who I am, except the whole being gay part, which Would, doesn't make sense. That's a big part of your identity. Yeah. That's what I think they're missing is that like, do you think that to them they don't see it as part of your identity or like is it more of a like a just don't don't ask don't tell type of thing like they know it but they don't want to see it like in their face yeah it's like a don't ask don't tell kind of thing because the, the reason that i brought it up is like because my sisters my two older sisters they were supposed to both get married in 2020 but obviously what happened. Yeah. yeah um i still consider them my like they're fiancés their husbands so whenever like um before like quarantine and everything happened or in the summer when this the restrictions were a lot lighter mm -hmm. i got to spend time with them and even before that i love spending time with my sisters and their husbands and as a family it's just it's just so nice and I told my parents, like, hey, I want to do that someday. I want to yeah. bring a partner home. Mm -hmm. And it's really upsetting to me that I can't. But obviously, I knew I know that my parents would never allow that. So we were talking about this on the phone. And um, their reasoning is, well, you don't have anybody right now. So why, why does that matter? And I'm like, well, I'd yeah. rather deal with this now before... I bring somebody and hurt somebody else's feelings. Like no, for sure. Yeah. And I know that at the time when you did tell your mom, you had a girlfriend at that time, right? Yes, I did. Did you ever, did she, did it ever feel like there was pressure for you to come out to your parents? Like, I, I, I'm always curious about how it affects relationships when you're still in the closet. Like, is there a pressure to be mm -hmm. like, you know, come out, like, don't be ashamed of this? Or is it like a more understanding type thing? It's, it was, 
My ex-girlfriend was understanding about it because she knew how my family was. But it definitely like put such a weird dynamic between us because I was really close with her family because her family was super accepting. But then she could never come to any of my family events. So it felt very one-sided. Mm-hmm. And I think that was also part of the reason that like we had all this trouble was like a different like a lot of things happened but that was like a big issue between us too and she never pressured me to come out mm-hmm. and actually like before back then i used to think that like i would never tell my parents unless um unless i was getting married mm-hmm. but, <laughs> the day of yeah, at wedding it's hey like, it's not a guy <laughs> You can still come though. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I hope that you never have to get to that point. Like I, because I know with weddings for other people, you want to bring a partner. There are events, holidays, and stuff where you want to bring somebody and and introduce yeah. them. Exactly, and then I started thinking about them. Like, oh, I can't, I can't wait mm-hmm. until my wedding because then I can't. I'm, I'm missing out on so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why also I brought this up with my parents. Okay, I'm. I'm gonna miss out on so many family things mm-hmm. and i also brought up the whole like what if i decided to adopt would my child not be allowed in your house and yeah. i was like if you ever adopted the child of course they would be accepted in our house and i'm like okay so my whole family except for my partner is allowed yeah. in your house and that sucks because i feel like if you brought home a partner at least me i would be constantly analyzing how are my parents treating her like yeah. how are they are they are they being like some type of way towards her and then it would put on like a weird pressure where i would be like all right they have to like treat her like this they have to treat her like this and like constantly monitoring it yeah definitely and my mom is like not known to be friendly <laughs> oh man yeah <laughs> that she- that sucks and because then you got to have that conversation with your partner and be like listen is is pretty rough. My my family is pretty rough. Like at least with my family, I know like they don't hold their tongue. Like if they got something to say, they'll say it. And that's something that you'd have to describe to your partner beforehand. Like, listen, don't get offended at everything. Like sometimes they just say things and it's like this. Yeah, I can't even describe that. My mom is like the subtle kind, like you know, like the side eye, not so welcoming. Mm-hmm. She is now with my sister's husbands because they've been around for so long. But yeah, the like the first meeting, oh my gosh, she's terrible and i don't think i asked but how did your sisters take it when you came out to them um they were actually pretty good about it they're mm-hmm. completely supportive especially now um back then they were i know it's like a stereotype but back then they were kind of just thinking that it was uh what do you call a phase? yeah a phase mm. and did but- you ever think it, it was just a phase or did you know like because i know you had a boyfriend you had a boyfriend mm-hmm. uh earlier on and stuff like did you think that it was just like you know, these are just thoughts and like, it's just temporary or whatever. I'm just trying to find my identity. Uh, no, actually, because then I started thinking about all these things throughout my childhood and I started to realize, no, I'm just gay. Like I was confused for a while where I thought that maybe I was bisexual or pansexual. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was like no doubt in my mind that I was attracted to females. Mm, gotcha. Uh, we got a comment. Somebody said, uh, <laughs> I never thought about the whole adoption being accepted, to be honest. That's a good thing to bring up. Yeah, and I know that that's like uh, an issue where same-sex partners, they face discrimination in that type of system where sometimes they don't want to adopt to them because there's like a belief that, no, you need a mom and you need a dad. You can't have the same-sex parent. And I don't know how things are in Canada, but I know that like, I don't know laws-wise, but I know just like societally, that's still something that we're trying to fight 
and uh yeah and- for sure um i mean i'm i that was just an example that i brought to my parents i'm never planning on well at least currently i have no plans on adopting or even having a child but yeah i do feel um sorry for like any couples that are same-sex couples that are struggling to adopt because of things like that Mm. like like i know some lesbian couples are like well where are they gonna get their father figure from like Mm -hmm. where are they gonna learn this part of whatever see like that's a mentality Mm -hmm. that i i get i understand why they used to have it back in the day but now it's like you see women taking on these roles of single mothers of being the mm-hmm. ones that are just like listen we are the the breadwinners for the home and like we do everything we're single moms and like the whole concept of of uh gender roles and stuff has been thrown out the window in my opinion because it's like society has completely changed like you can have two uh parents like this is not something new you could have two same-sex parents and we see that nothing is wrong with the kids like it's completely fine and uh just the whole concept of gender norms i think is something that society really needs to re-educate people on i know Mm -hmm. that for a long time through avenues like the media and movies and stuff and all these things we would see traditional gender roles and stuff but like it's all changed at this point yeah exactly like like i know how to work with cars i know how to fix things i also Mm -hmm. know how to cook like you say one person can learn all of these things so one person can teach a child one of these things exactly and um so then i want to i wanted to bring up i was looking up different articles and stuff and uh different statistics uh i found this from science daily let me pull it up and it says it'll segue into my question for you um so many parents struggle for years to adjust after learning a child's sexual orientation Two years after their child comes out as lesbian, gay, or bisexual, many parents still say that it is moderately or very hard for them to adjust to the news, according to a study published today. Um, those responses are the same on average as parents who have been, who have recently learned about their child's sexual orientation, a finding that suggests most parents struggle with such news for several years. So my question to you is, what advice do you give to parents now seeing what it was like with your parents? Obviously, everybody's parental relationships are different uh depending on Mm -hmm. if they're closer or not close with them but what uh advice do you give to parents because it looks like they might eventually accept it they might say okay we're now okay with this but it does seem like it's something that i guess they struggle to uh uh, adjust to even Mm -hmm. in the years to go after i think i would just say you know like just watch them do they seem happier than they were (laughs) before they came out because i know for sure like my even though my parents aren't accepting yet, but the way that our dynamic is a lot better. Like I'm not angry towards them. We're not always fighting. We can even joke around now. And we were just talking about this too before I, um, when I was letting them know that I wasn't gonna come home for Christmas because I they're still homophobic. Um, they were like, uh, sad because like we were like we were having such a good relationship so to parents I was just like if you want to be a part of your child's life think about that think about the milestones you'll miss with them just because you have this belief that they're not going to be happy but look what's right in front of you mm-hmm. are they smiling is your mm-hmm. relationship better if you try to accept them or are you pushing them away mm-hmm and I feel like there's a there's like a 
a sense of control that parents at some point need to let go of. Like you cannot control everything your child does once they become an adult and they are now consenting and they know like they make their own decisions. You can't just force them to be what it was that you envisioned. And you can't like mm-hmm. make yourself unhappy because it wasn't what you envisioned. You should be happy that they found their own way. And as long as they're not in danger and they're not doing any criminality, why not be happy that they found an identity that makes them happy? Exactly. And I think um, when I was seeing a counselor a couple years ago, that was a big thing that we talked about that I needed to move away from home and I need to grow separately from the boundaries of what my parents expected from me because yeah they they were trying to put too much control on who i was becoming and obviously it was affecting my mental health mm-hmm. no for real somebody the same person wrote uh <laughs> yeah fuck gender roles i want to be a stay-at-home dad hey you can be man you definitely can be if you want to you could work from home you don't even have to work you could do whatever the hell you want like there's there really shouldn't be any restrictions on this stuff anymore yeah. it's like who is to say who is like this grand godly figure that says, okay, now this is how you have to act. And to be a man is to be this. And to be a woman is this. It's like, that's all out the window. That's all gone. Yes. And do, you have, <laughs> do you have any advice for people who come out and to their parents and it might not go the way that they thought? Maybe you saw it coming like, okay, I know my parents well enough where this is how they're going to react when I do finally tell them the truth. But maybe there are people out there who want to come out. They finally build up the courage and it doesn't end up in the result that they wanted. And their parents are kind of the way that yours were, where they're like, listen, we're, you're not our child anymore. Um, I would just say that the most important thing is that you feel safe to come out to your parents. Like if you have a place, like, like in my case, right? I wasn't living with my parents so that's why I had the courage to come out because I didn't have to stay there and have to stay under the same roof so that's it it just make sure you're safe that's the biggest advice anyone could could give because like mm-hmm. the the homelessness rates is ridiculous of, especially with um, LGBTQ2S youth Oh man, we got to get into that term. But so what about advice for like, because I, I imagine that it would be very, very easy to fall into a hole where you're just mad and you're angry and you don't want to like see these. And like the longer that you don't see your parents, the more the anger builds up to a point where you never want to see them. And it's you're just like mad all the time when you think about them. What advice would you give in terms of like uh, the psyche type help? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I definitely went through that. Um, If, you know, give them, give your parents a chance, just for a second, try to open up. And if it's not received well, like, you know, then there's a lot of things that they still need to work on and you still need to work on. Um, And actually a goal of mine is to one day go to therapy with both my parents and to sort this all out. Mm. That would be great. Yeah, that's a a really big thing because getting the opportunity to just sit down and talk with them with somebody who isn't part of your family, won't be Mm. by, is just there to moderate. I think that's very, very important. And then... I know you actually did two parts for this this question. You did a two-part uh, uh, podcast episode where you said 
uh, am I lesbian? How did you know that you were <laughs> lesbian and not bisexual? And is it like an uh, a changing thing identity? Is it something where it's like, you know, you might be lesbian, but then you realize, okay, wait, no, I am attracted to, to males still. Like, mm -hmm. is it an ever shifting thing? And how did you personally know right now that that's how you identify? Yeah, I believe like sexuality is fluid and you can identify how you want to identify at different points in your life. Um, but for me right now, like after dating for the last year and a half, I just every time right at the beginning, I was open, open to both male and females um, because then I identified as bisexual. But I just really had no interest in actually going through on a date with a male and every time it came close i was like no i don't i don't really want to do that and mm. i never would entertain any more conversations with them and so mm. that was it and was it. at first actually i was kind of scared to just call myself a lesbian there was just such a big stigmatism around it like mm. like I, or also just felt like i was locking myself into one thing mm. might also be a commitment issue thing but <laughs> <laughs> might be a personal co commitment <laughs> issue that is interesting because it's like yeah how do you know at, at first like because you did have a boyfriend so how did you know like maybe you are bi and then it like mm -hmm. is there in your episodes what did you talk about was there something that like people can look towards and be like okay this is how you know in my head, like I compared how I felt with my ex-boyfriend and previous guys that I've dated to my ex-girlfriend and to two females that I was dating. And I was definitely a lot more emotionally invested mm. in females. So mm. that's when it really clicked in. Like, you know, I tried, I tried both. Mm. And I know that this is where romantically my feelings are mm -hmm. hey and that's great that you know yourself that well and that you like you know this is all like at least in teenage years it's all a time of exploration and and mm -hmm. trying to find who you are in this world like who you are as a person and your relationships to other people and that's really important and i want to just highlight this comment because i think this is really great what someone said no filters no fears podcast shout out thank you for for commenting Yes, make sure you are safe if you are planning to come out before taking this huge step that can possibly change your life. And I don't think it's possibly, it will change your life. Like once you are out that I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, will change the way that uh, you have relationships with your parents and your family and others. And maybe it shouldn't be that way, but what do you think about that? Uh, sorry, I was reading the comments. Um, yeah, I agree. It it'll change it will change your life and you know there might be some external factors that you might not like like being kicked out or losing some friends um but at the end of the day you're happier because you stop lying to yourself you have like this huge weight lifted like and you just feel lighter walking throughout the world and you eventually find a different set of family and it's a process but at the end you're going to be so much happier mm, that's amazing that is great advice for everyone out there shout out to uh halleck boys and no filters no fears podcast for the questions uh somebody now asks do you know i'm gonna highlight this do you know about conversion therapy or clinics that persist on the cure for homosexuality through torture and other methods 
Have you heard about conversion therapy? Have you looked yes, into this? I have. Um, not thoroughly, but uh, there was a, there's a documentary that's on my list that I've been meaning to watch about conversion therapy. And I think it's terrible. Like, why is physically abusing somebody going to change who they are? Mm. Straight up. Yeah, no. And then this is a fact that I found pretty appalling when I was looking this up. Also, shout out Angie Guzman Diaz as my wife. Hey, shout out for, for commenting. But same sex sexual same sex sexual activity is still illegal in approximately 70 countries. And then I, I did look up, I'm gonna ask you in uh in a little bit what you think the safest countries for LGBT uh travelers and what the least safe countries are, because it was pretty interesting to me to see the list and stuff but um yeah when reading about conversion therapy and stuff uh i know there's a couple of states i think there's only 20 states here in the united states that have banned it which means that more than half of the states here there's no law on it i don't know if they are actively doing it but there's no law banning it and to me that is is absurd maybe that's just because we came up in a time where with more information and stuff but to think that you can cure cure someone of homosexuality would yeah. imply that it's an illness that it's something that you can cure and that's something wrong with them and to say that you can cure it through like things like i saw ice pick uh lobotomies and all oh these my gosh. crazy yeah. things yeah it's it's insane and i don't know if there's research on this but have they come to a conclusion on whether it's genetics or societal or, or what is it in your opinion? Actually, I was just reading about this. So there is no consensus between scientists of where it comes from. So there, like we still don't know where homosexuality, homosexuality comes from. <clears throat> it just is. So some people could be just born that way. Others could have changed through something that happened in their life. Yeah. Uh, like it could be like external, internal factors. Um, I know for sure they're like scientists have looked through biological factors and really found nothing there. Mm. But it's it yeah, it's such a strange thing to to want to, to not have to... a def definite scientific answer to. Yeah, that and then also that the fact that people are trying to cure it, trying to mm -hmm. in a way like get rid of it, fix it. it. It implies that there is something wrong with you, that something is bad with you. And my wife was telling me about a, a story she heard on a, a podcast about down in Ecuador where this was happening and they were doing a lot of like ice cold showers. They were trying to like get it. They were trying to cure them that way. And it's just, it. I think it all really roots down to religion, it seems, is like a big thing. And what have yeah. you found? Because I know you did an episode on uh, Christianity and homophobia and and what is it like really that it's rooted in you even did a, an episode where you were trying to see if there was a science to homophobia can you talk about that so when I said uh, the episode about the science of homophobia I was really looking into people's um, psychology and why that is and it it really is that we're we're just biased people we so if you're grow if you grow up and people around you are homophobic, then you're going to grow up homophobic because you don't know, like, because you've been told as a kid that it's wrong. And I think it just stems from, from eugenics because mm. people were obviously like homosexuality was like straight up called wrong because it, it didn't help, you know, procreate 
push more towards like the Aryan race. Mm-hmm. So people wanted to ban it, ban homosexuality. And I think that's where it came from um, all the way back then. Um, and yeah, it just... That's crazy. And I like that you you looked into trying to find if there was a science to the thinking behind homophobia, because I often think that it it's it's really easy to just be like, oh, if you're homophobic, it's because you're ignorant and you're a bigot and mm-hmm. you're this and you're that and you're intolerant and to just brush them off and to completely say, screw you. Like, it's very, very easy to do that. But at the same time, what you're trying to do is find the logic and the understanding. Why do people think like this? Because I think that's more productive. It's way more productive to try and figure out why do you think like this and then correct that education, correct exactly. why it was that they, they learned that. And another thing that you did was a great episode on misinformation and how it affects the community. And it's, what did you say? Like, once you have been, uh, um, once you've been shown misinformation, it's very hard to change that influence. Yeah. That that. And I could totally see why that would really hurt the community. Yeah. And it, especially in the culture today where people are just like, Oh, like let's say a meme has a fact of like a fact about something and then like you spread it spread because it, it spreads faster because it's funny so you share it with your friends and if it's coming from a friend then you believe your friend mm-hmm. so and then somebody tries to tell you it's wrong but you're like no this mm-hmm. is a fact in your head this is a fact now mm-hmm. and then all of the negative uh media that was coming out during the aids epidemic and stuff at the beginning in the 80s and stuff like where it was really thought to be like a gay disease where it was like they thought gay people were spreading this and it was just amongst them and it was all their fault that is like years of 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 misinformation that obviously would affect a whole generation and now we got to kind of correct that yeah and it's going to take much longer because it's still around it's still persisting and people still believe that AIDS was caused by gay men. And there's some rumor too about how um, AIDS started because someone had sex with a monkey. Like, <laughs> I remember hearing that rumor yeah. when I was in like in elementary school or middle school or something. And like at the time, you don't question it. You're just like, oh, wow, that's crazy. How did, yeah. What did they do that for? But yeah, see, like small tidbits like that, it just keeps going and multiplying and multiplying until everybody like, thinks the same way. Mm. And that's why I think it's so hard for this, especially with like from so far uh, what I've kind of concluded is that a lot of people are using the Bible to spread homophobia because it's something that's been around forever. And so they're like misinterpreting different like verses of the Bible Mm -hmm. and they forget about all the other things that the Bible is saying. Like, I think there was something like seven passages mm-hmm. relating that might relate to homophobia mm-hmm. and then like like 3000 about being greedy but people forget about that people forget that's the thing people use the bible and they use re- organized religion in general as a means to justify beliefs that they already probably had and it's exactly. kind of at least here in the united states is used a lot of times like to to be against uh, abortion or to be against same-sex marriage and they just use it and it's like i guarantee these people haven't even read the bible it's just mm-hmm. kind of like a, a crutch for them it's like oh well the bible said it's like do you even read the bible yeah and in the episode when i was uh, the science of uh, misinformation that was a big thing when people couldn't logically prove something they would uh their the reasoning would fall into something that can't be proven wrong. Like, oh, this is what God believes or something like that, because that way you can't discredit them. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, that's it. Once you could say, oh, this is what God believes, like they think that's the end of the argument because it's like, well, where is God? Like we can't confirm that that's what God believes. Yeah. So now I got to just take your word for it. And you said that that's what God believes. So I guess <laughs> that's like the end of the argument. And now nah, it's crazy. But so no filters, no fears podcast said we also live in a society where misinformation is per perpetuated and then when someone stands up it becomes a problem yeah i could definitely see that uh no filters no fears podcast if you could elaborate that in the comment section uh what do you mean by when someone stands up it becomes a problem because i do think now social media has literally just like amplified how much misinformation there is out there it's like propaganda on steroids where you could just send whatsapp memes and like my family falls for stuff all the time and I'm always trying to tell them like we need like a real true media literacy program like where people yeah. learn to really parse through information and see where is this source coming from is there a bias in this source like is there what did they use to uh, to confirm this I watched the uh the social dilemma recently and I and how it's polarizing people there's no more like middle everybody's either mm -hmm. far left or far right because it's what they're constantly fed mm. and yet people aren't fact checking so it's like oh trump said this blah blah, blah. Mm -hmm. the right Straight said up. that um yeah it's no, scary it's really scary and it's it's echo chambers right because it's an algorithm so once you tell that algorithm this is what i like this is what i enjoy seeing the algorithm is like cool let's take you deeper and deeper into it so if like one person starts off with some type of discriminatory like idea like okay you know uh it could be something that they think is not even that bad like maybe they saw a movie you know how in the movies they used to show like gay people was as like a funny thing being gay was supposed yeah. to be like comic Maybe they go into it and they think, oh, you know, being gay is funny or whatever. Then the algorithm starts showing them slightly more radicalizing things till they get to the point where they're like, oh, crap, like we're in the deep, like we're deep yeah. in it and we're thinking that like, like, like Nazi type things and it's crazy. So, yeah. And with anything like that. And so I, it's, it's scary how much power social media has over us. And I think I can't remember what country it was that they were saying that only relies on Facebook. Mm. um like even their phones get pre-installed with just facebook so um, the amount of power that they facebook yeah and they don't like I, and i remember mark zuckerberg was like being questioned by the government about how how he controls the information on his website and he didn't really have too much to answer like yeah he's had he's had a couple different government hearings throughout <laughs> like last year they kept bringing up uh, a lot of it is because of monopoly reasons like facebook bought whatsapp bought instagram it's like once something starts getting big they just buy it and then it's theirs and it's like there's really not too much diversity in that field but i did want to ask you about uh media representation of the community like what how do you think that that has evolved because obviously like i do remember back in the day it was really like just always showing like being gay was supposed to be this comic thing where it's like mm -hmm. oh ha 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 they're gay and it's supposed to be like a shameful type thing where now how do you see it and especially what is the difference you think between how they portray uh lesbians in the media and then homosexual men is there a fetishizing of lesbians do you think oh for sure i think i mean obviously i'm grateful that there are more representation for lgbtq to us people in the media but it's for it's just to fill some plot hole like all the time lesbians are ruining some straight marriage and poor nice husband now has to go you know mm -hmm. 
without a wife, get his heart broken. Um, so it always seems like it's a lesbian's fault for something going wrong. And if it's not their fault, if it's um, if it's not like a storyline like that, it's about men viewing lesbians as hot. Like, oh, those girls are kissing in the club. Yeah. That's that's fucking hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the big one that I know is like they always per- perpetuate that. And I think that is reason why yeah, this why this study came out and it said lesbians more accepted than gay men around the world study finds the study explored attitudes towards neo heterosex non-heterosexual men and women in 23 countries and found gay men are disliked more than lesbians in every country and i can imagine that that has completely to do with how the the perceptions and the media roles that they have in films Mm -hmm. and stuff where it's like if two men are kissing people kind of like look away or something when it's two women kissing it's supposed to be like this super hot sexual thing yeah and i think a toxic masculinity has a part to play in that too because you're supposed to be like all tough you Mm -hmm. know taking care of the house yeah all that kind of stuff and obviously being gay is not that or to them it's not that you could still be all of that and still Mm -hmm. and just be gay yeah. yeah That's those gender norms that we were talking about, the gender roles and stuff like that men are supposed to be manly and they're supposed to be like all this. And and if not, then they're they're weak and they're sissies and stuff. And it's like they really need to do a better job, I think, of showing that gay men have many different roles in society as well. Like there there are plenty of manly gay men. There are plenty of of gay men that you wouldn't even know are gay until they told you that they were gay. It's not just like. They've been portraying just like these weak, like super flamboyant gay men. And then I guess with lesbians, yeah, it's always just been like the either they leave the man and the man is heartbroken or the super sexual side of it. Yeah. And I think they try to kind of play these gender roles within lesbians, too. Like, oh, there's a butch one. And then there's like the feminine one who's more like a girl. And it's like you're trying to fit these like circles and these triangle slots it, it's not working it's not the same thing mm-hmm. no it's not and i hope we definitely see more of that so now my next question what is lgbtq 2s plus yeah i have it with a, with a question mark here it kind of looks like a, a math equation <laughs> but is this something that is unique to canada because i i, had, I literally had never heard of this term before and i might- sure if it's unique to canada but i learned about 2s recently and i was this is crazy so lgbtq is obviously lesbian gay bisexual trans uh queer and 2s stands for two spirit so in indigenous cultures they believe that um gay people possess both the feminine and the masculine spirit so you have two spirits and to them you're actually considered more powerful Mm. so i thought that was crazy i was like yeah yeah, it's I had never heard of it, and then I, so I looked it up because I think you you had said something uh, about it on your Instagram or somewhere, and it came up on like a Canadian website, and then I saw that it was like a, a term that was created in like 1990. Like it's not new or anything. It's just here in the United States, I had never heard of it, and it's it was so interesting to see two spirited, and to see that they have a concept of their spirits also have like uh, uh sexuality is that what it is yeah and i think i think this is like you know it might be a little bit new age but i believe that everybody possesses like a certain qualities of each like feminine and masculine like um like let's say you have a more butch lesbian then they have like 
a slightly stronger masculine spirit and same goes for effeminate men like a slightly more feminine spirit and and i don't like i know we try to fit everybody into these like gender roles like there's only two genders when there really isn't but i think mm. everybody's just like a, com- a combination of of these two things mm, mm. so what do you think is the proper term because i always try and and really be proper with like look if this is how you want to identify if you want to be uh said as they and they're not he her i'm cool with that like i'm if i screw it up once just correct me and i'll try my best to, to not fuck it up again i'm really not intentionally trying to screw these things up mm-hmm. but lgbtq is the one that i use around here because that's mm-hmm. the one that i've heard most it w- what do you use do you try and use lgbtq2s plus yeah i try to uh, yeah I, tr- I try to use it i was just really long so sometimes i'll just go to queer community <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've been trying to just say the community right now just for yeah. the purpose of, of shortening the sentence because it is a tongue twister and sometimes i get less especially during a podcast i'm like i don't want to edit this out i have to just say queer community <laughs> <laughs> and then so how do you think canada is in terms of of their rights for the community like how has canada been and that brings me to my question of what do you think the most safe country for lgbt travelers is and the most dangerous country is because there's actually a, a couple who did uh this whole analysis on it they studied what countries had like uh um, laws to protect against discrimination towards the community uh what countries had laws that would penalize it and stuff and they came up with this whole like metric to determine what was most safe and what was most dangerous because that's something that i i, I have the privilege of not even having to consider like when i go to a country am i going to be in danger because of of my sexuality but that is a real thing so and what, what do you think it is i'm really curious to know what you think the most safe yeah. and then what the most dangerous one is I actually didn't have to, like, I didn't realize that I had to think about this until I went on vacation with my ex-girlfriend. I was like, oh, maybe I can't hold your hand in public. But mm-hmm. Canada, completely safe. I think Canada is one of the first countries to legalize um, same-sex marriages. Um, America, safe enough, but still, you know, not mm-hmm. where they should be. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fangirl of Taiwan. Taiwan, I think, is very, very safe. Um, oh, really? I think they're the only Asian country to have same-sex marriage legalized, and they also have their own pride parades and things like that. Mm. Um, unsafe, I would say Nigeria. I just, I just study them. They have. Oh shit! Uh, yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they. That is the number one most dangerous place. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like people get lynched and jump out of nowhere, and the government like allows this, has laws against it, and I think it was like ninety eight percent of Nigerians agree with these laws that gay people shouldn't be accepted into into society. Yeah, no. So if I could read it right here. So yeah, Nigeria was number one. It's ranked so highly largely due to the extreme penalties for simply being gay, which include up to 14 years in prison and the death penalty Mm -hmm. in states under Sharia law. The mere discussion of LGBT rights is criminalized under the current system and under Nigeria's Same-Sex Marriage Prohibition Act of 2013. The country has seen an increase in violence and extortion against the LGBTQ plus community. And that's crazy. That's really shitty. The number one most safe place is not Canada. Canada 
got number two on the list only to be beaten by Sweden. Which, oh. when I saw it, I was like, yeah, those Swedes, they are super happy, super, like, liberal, super accepting. It's, I got to go over there. I got to see it. Yeah. That sounds fun. <laughs> and no, but it, it is, like, Canada does deserve number two, I think, because whenever I hear of Canada, it sounds like this progressive, like, wonderland, like, free college, <laughs> free uh, healthcare, all these things. And I'm like, damn, how are they so progressive? Um, I, It's free, but we get taxed a lot <laughs> well that's the thing it's 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 not free it's universal I, that's the term i should say universal mm -hmm. but it's something that it comes it's taxed and it's not something that you have to uh uh implicitly worry about when you go to the doctor and think okay how much is this plus you yeah. don't have co-pays deductibles and all these other things that are like they're essentially taxes for us they're just private taxes yeah like i'm so grateful that like i could break bone well not right now my health card ex is expired but <laughs> i could break a bone and just uh go to an emergency room and not worry about any kind of costs mm, mm. And that's amazing that is amazing because yeah. here there's such thing as medical bankruptcy like people will actually go bankrupt because of they have so many medical bills and i don't think that's something that is that exists in like a lot of uh of uh modern countries or whatever industrialized countries yeah, and I understand there's a lot of specialists in America and doctors get paid there more. That's why a lot of doctors go there. So we don't over here receive the same amount of like specialization. But like in general, I think the whole country receives like a fair amount of mm. healthcare without being scared. Yeah, that's amazing. And just to, to end off on this topic of the most dangerous countries for the travelers and stuff, I do think that, uh, so I know you've explored uh, homophobia and Christianity and stuff. I think something that is, is a little tough for people to speak about is homophobia in Islam, mainly because uh, Muslims, they are a group, a demographic that faces their own discrimination and their own xenophobia. And they're, they have a lot of struggles on their own just from people being discriminatory towards them. So it's hard sometimes to really criticize, but also be ca cautious of the fact that they face a lot of things themselves. But, you know, when it comes to Islam and, and homophobia, it's deep in there, like Sharia law, like when you look at Nigeria, and then you look at, so Nigeria is number one, number two is Qatar, three is Yemen, four is Saudi Arabia, like, and there's a common pattern. Number six is Iran. There's definitely a common pattern when it comes to like homophobia and Islam. And I think that's something that the world really does need to address, but in a way where it's not xenophobic. That is the, the main yeah. thing. You cannot let it get xenophobic. Right. And it's kind of a difficult task because if it comes from North America, it might come off as, an, as xenophobic and then Western yeah it won't come off as genuine and people just you know put, brush that away but if it comes from within then like those people will be like hurt within their own culture mm -hmm. that's like definitely something tough to tackle yeah no it's it's it really is and i was trying to think about it i was like why are people so able to like really criticize christianity and say like all the flaws in it in a way that it's different than islam and it's because Christian Christians normally have been the majority. They've been the, the the demographic that has been on top and has been in in a. They haven't been marginalized. Whereas Islam, it's a whole different thing. We they face xenophobia, they face discrimination, they face all types of of harassment and stuff. So it's tough to be like, listen, you know, there are things that you should change in your religion and stuff because 
it, it's it, it's hurtful towards the community in a way where it's also like listen we're not attacking your religion we're not attacking you for your religion we're just saying that look justice and equality for everyone that's all that we're asking for mm-hmm. and i think it's also easier for christians just because there's so many different categories of it mm-hmm. there's some that are a lot more strict um some that are like completely like, no mm-hmm. rules in a way as long as but you believe I do think it's the same for Islam, though, because Sharia law is like an interpretation of the Quran that is definitely a lot more strict, where like gambling, prostitution, drinking alcohol is also all prohibited. And I know that there are Muslims that are not like that. Like I have a friend whose family is from Iran and like they're Muslim, but they're not that strict about it at all. Like it's Mm -hmm. definitely like I think in all organized religion, you're going to get people that are just way more into it. And, you know, it's just like when you interpret it in a way where it's like God is telling us to do this and it's this control over human aspect, it gets real tricky. Yeah, I have a, a Muslim friend too. And like, she's very, you know, relaxed about these kinds of rules. But like, within her family, it's it's not something that she can be open about because like, I think for them, their older generation are still very strict. Like, I think we're in different stages. Mm-hmm. Like in ISM, like the younger generation are trying to start to realize like, oh, it shouldn't be this strict. Like, yes, I believe in what the Quran says and I believe in, you know, the religion, but I don't think that it should be this strict. Yeah. Um, and I think they're moving towards like something like what christianity is mm-hmm. but yeah i think it's still slightly more scary for them because of their older family members yeah did you see uh the news earlier this year where the pope had came in uh he had came out in support of of, of civil unions i think it was which isn't fully in support of, of same-sex marriage but it is a big step for the pope and christianity mm-hmm. where i think that they're just seeing like look if we don't want christianity to die out and to become this outdated practice in this outdated religion that it has no place in society we have to just adapt and that's why it seems like this pope is very modern he seems very chill yeah i did read about that and i was so happy i i posted that on uh on facebook so my family could see but (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah maybe that's what will show them like look if the pope is cool with it why aren't you yeah uh but then they they twisted and was like oh well the the pope just means that um that we should still love gay people, but help them back into uh, uh, heterosexuality. They don't need any help. That's the yeah. thing. They don't need help. There's nothing wrong with them. Yeah, I think so. My grandpa, when I came out to him, he was just like, okay, you better pray. So, <laughs> you better yeah. pray that you change. It's like, yeah, no. pray the gay way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that sucks. And it's like. That's the thing. People will literally interpret things the way that they want. If you could show them like God could, himself could come down, Jesus Christ could come mm-hmm. down and say, look, I am for equality for all and blah, 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 blah. And people will still be like, well, what Jesus meant was Jesus actually is like, what? Jesus was just here. He just told us what he yeah. meant. And people will interpret it however the hell they want. But I, uh, yeah, you I was just going to say how un- like I've. I believe in God and higher beings and like, you know, nothing wrong with who you believe. But the Bible is so dis like, how can you trust the Bible? It's how many thousands of years old in the first couple hundred years it was handwritten. 
<laughs> and there's like a whole new section that you just decided to add the new testament like what is that yeah it's like you're depending all of this on how good their memory was back then like exactly. we don't know we have no idea maybe they had really bad shitty memories and we just don't know it and what if they had really bad handwriting to write a book that long your hand must have cramped up like right? what if <laughs> or somebody got their hands on it who had like like really horrible beliefs and he's like let me change this real quick let me change this oh yeah. look this is what it's been saying like you never exactly. know who slipped in their own ideas into there and there's so many different versions and like this word is changed to that word but then it could be interpreted in like such a different way mm. but yeah. you so you're not religious but you said you are spiritual yeah like i i meditate every day and i just i just believe i do believe in angels and like um that there are like in the universe that the universe just conspires to help us That's yeah it. it's important to believe in something i feel like if not it can get real nihilistic and real just like depressing and like all right there's nothing like we're just on this floating rock through yeah. space just floating on this tiny little thing like i feel like dude, people do need it people just can't let it take it to their to the extreme yeah i think that's the thing with everything people just just don't take it to the extreme mm, always and before we go can you tell me about loud pride Sure. So Loud Pride is an initiative that I started in September uh, just because I, t I don't know. I don't know if like I just felt like I was like it was sort of like imposter syndrome where I, I was like posting things about the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, but I, like I posted a black square. And I'm like, what? Like I, I know it's helping to a certain degree, but I know there's more I can do and I'm just thinking like just thinking about that and also like how being a person of color has affected me and being gay and all these things that make my life harder and to imagine that somebody else has it harder for being just a little bit darker for what skin color doesn't even matter and there was even like a study that like genetically like we're still 99.9% .9 the same they're not different people we're all the same and so I just wanted to do something to help so what is it? it's just information or I so bracelets too yeah so the bracelets um, that I sell are all of the money goes to a charity in Toronto that helps um, LGBTQ2S youth and they have programs that focus on um, youth of color and helping them find what they want to do in the future it can't be going to school is hard when you're you know um part of the community and you're a person of color it's like you have all these things against you and so it's harder to move forward in life and get ahead in life so they have programs to do that and they also house um homeless teens that are going like like being kicked out of their homes um that they're called soy shareborn um i forgot what the o meant but for youth it's mm -hmm. a health center in toronto so uh, that donates to there but i really just want to help educate people in like what's going on in the world like from books not from memes <laughs> yeah not from memes that's the most important thing definitely not from memes memes are entertaining but it's not where you should be getting your your news from Oh, man. Krisha, thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you tell everybody uh, where they can find more information about you? Sure. 
And thanks again for having me. Uh, you guys can find me at Gay Monologues on Instagram. That's G-A-Y-M-O-N-O-L-O-G-U-E-S. And hey. uh, at Loud Pride Co. So that's, I think there's a dot there. Loud, L-O-U-D, Pride, P-R-I-D-E, Co, C-O. Hey, that's amazing. And thank you for everything that you do. Like just putting out your story and being so open with everything that you do and all the topics that you cover. I think it's really important because uh, in one of your episodes, you said that uh, when you were first realizing your identity, you Googled like, is it normal to be gay? Or you Googled something which shows how important it is because let's say 20, 25 years ago, you had Googled that you might've got results that said it's not normal. Like this is bad. Like this is wrong. But now because that information is out there and you're doing all that you do, there's more representation and people can see, look, you know, there isn't just these traditional roles of a butch girl or like a a really feminine, like there is just everything in between. And we need more of that. That's what we need. And thankfully, now that like media has been decentralized, and we can all put out our own content, we can all do that ourselves. Yeah, I'm really happy that I'm able to do that now. And I'm so happy that you put out the content that you do, because everything that you cover is so important. And, and yeah, you make it more digestible. So people actually fucking listen. Hey, thank you so much. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy just talking to people like you because it's always cool. I get to research some stuff. I get to listen to podcasts and then I get to like, I feel like I, I met a friend. It's it's really cool. Yeah. Hey, so thank you so much for coming on. Thank you to everybody who was in the comment sections. Halleck Boys, uh, No Fear, No Filters, No Fears podcast. My wife, Angie Guzman. Thank you to everybody who commented. Uh, I'm going to put the audio up on the podcast in a couple days. And this will sit on Facebook and YouTube. So thank you so much for coming on. This has been a pleasure. And I hope I get to have you back on the show in the future. Anytime you want. I love being here and talking to you. Hey, thank you so much, Krisha, host of Gay Monologues, creator of Loud Pride. Have a great night. Thank you to everyone who supports this show and has shared the show with a friend or a loved one. A special thank you to our guest, Krisha, for coming on the show. If you haven't already, make sure to check out the show notes to connect with her and to listen to her content. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at A Pretty Normal. And once again, thank you for listening. My name is Xavier Diaz, and this was A Pretty Normal Podcast.